0: Princess here and welcome to another episode of My Pumpkin. Um, Last week we took a break from the mother-daughter experiment because I had been um, pre-recording episodes because I went on vacation. Um, Took my kids to Disney. It was great. Um, Yeah, I talked a lot about it. If you guys are a Patreon subscriber um, to the Princess Diaries tier, which is $10 a month, I did two episodes last week because... Uh, the first one I'd take a story out of. So it was short. So I did, you know, some talk about some recent events and then I talked about the Disney trip and, um, yeah. So go listen to that if you're a subscriber. Um, so we're back to the mother daughter experiment. We're in season one. Obviously there's only one season, uh, episode six. It's called housewife versus bad girl because there is a fight between the housewife and the bad girl at one point, but before all that, that happens, Mm. Before all this happens, let's, let's, let me remind you guys of something. This week I was on Everyone's Business But Mine with Kara Berry, um, where she talked about, um, she, we talked about Sister Wives and I love to talk about Sister Wives. I don't get the opportunity to do so. I don't do a lot of TLC shows on this, on this show. Hmm. Maybe I should fix that. But, um... Yeah, so uh, I got to talk about that. She did accuse me of being a Robin apologist, which is, pfft, get out of here. But um, yeah, she'll get a cease and assist, and that'll set her straight. So, Kara, if you're listening to this, look out for that paperwork. I also recorded with Liz. We did a, um, a, fam- a VH1's family therapy episode that was really fun. And I'm not sure when that's out. I'm assuming it's probably out now. So go check that out. It's for her Patreon epi- her Patreon podcast, Liz Explains It All. So yeah, uh, those are the- oh, and I'm going to be on Best Week Ever. Um, I'm not recorded yet, but it should be out soon. Um, so be on the lookout for that. The weird thing about it is I'll be like, I need to be on some podcasts. I need to get on some podcasts besides my own. And then I will schedule myself to be on like three podcasts in one week and also have to record two of mine and also need to... Uh, pre-record some things because Monkey's birthday is Saturday, which it is. He's turning seven and I'm gonna be busy so I can't be recording on Saturday. So yeah, I'm not good with managing time apparently. I thought I was, apparently I'm not. But and like today I recorded two episodes. I recorded one episode for Patreon which was about the Bling Ring documentary. It's bad, but there's things to talk about. And this evening now I'm recording... Uh, this episode to come out on Sunday. So yeah, again, podcast sweatshop. That's where I'm at. Um, but back to the show. Okay. So, um, we open up with everyone acknowledging that Courtney Stodd and Krista separate themselves from the rest of her group a lot. I find that weird that they are, they're in such like, I don't know, turmoil. I don't know how else to describe it. They're in such like, um like conflict, yet they do spend most of their time alone together. And I think that might be uh, dysfunctional family shit. You know what I mean? Also, Josie got offered to do, to model for Harper's Bazaar. She's going to get the cover in a 12-page spread, but she's got to go. She's got to be there the last day of this thing, of this filming. And the thing is, so we get this whole storyline where it's like, jessica's like should i let her go she runs over me i feel like she should stay here and and finish this and maybe i should put my foot down josie's what 19 20 what What are you talking about you don't let her do anything i mean i guess i guess you can let her do anything but like she makes that decision so what the fuck are we talking about here you know, back, they spend the whole episode going back and forth about how she's like, this is my dream. They can't move it for me. I mean, this is, all, this. I don't care about this that we're doing. I'm This is my dream. I'm like, why are we having she's 14? She can leave anytime she wants to. She, she doesn't need permission to leave. She's grown. I mean, not grown, grown, you know. 19's still kind of a baby. We're expecting you to make a lot of mistakes and shit. But, uh, technically, if you want to take yourself somewhere, you can go. So, so, what is this? Are we looking for, um, Jessica's approval because they came there together to work on their relationship? I'm not, I don't know. I just feel like they went back and forth too much as if Jessica could, like, physically prevent Josie from going. Um... And also like, I don't, I hate to be a hater and all, but I don't know, Harper's Bazaar, okay? She's like, it's the most, you don't know magazines, mom. It's the most important magazine in the world. I'm like, is it? All right, cool. And then Jessica's like, you can't, you, one day, if you have to leave for one day, it will be terrible. And this and this and that. And I'm like, um, will it be? No, it's just, it's just like a fake argument. Um, so what happens is that they separate the mothers and daughters. Their mothers are going to have a session. The daughters are going to have a session. And then they're all, they're going to go out to lunch with their group. Dr. Deb tells them that they all caught, that. She tells the mothers, they all caught, cod, all the kids too much. All of them. There's not one there. And she specifically calls out Jessica who makes Jessica think that the right decision is for Josie not to leave on the last day. She's like, well, maybe we coddle them because we should have coddled them when they were kids. And Dr. Kemp's like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, you know, they, so they talk uh, about their feelings about their daughters. Kim literally didn't want Kimberly to go to college. I can't imagine not wanting my kid to go to college just so they could be more around me. seems this, this seems like a selfish, a very selfish thing. Maybe, maybe I could imagine the feelings, but I would never vocalize it to them or anybody else. Um, uh, Karen tells a story about how, um, Natalie stole her car with two of her friends, she was 13, and like got into it with the cop, and all. And I was like, oh, you should have known then, girl. Um, the daughters have a session and a lunch as well. We find out that Josie, that Jose was only around for two or three years of Josie's life and never really supported her and didn't do anything for her. And, you know, he's out here scamming and seducing and scheming and whatnot. And, and like, that's what he was focused on. She said she didn't see much of him and he hasn't really been a part of her life. And I think that's horrible. Almost. I think that's like and 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 not unheard of and not like I was surprised by it, but also but definitely still horrible. um Kimberly <laughs> tells a story about how she went to San Diego and uh lost her virginity. Maybe we should maybe we should talk about virginity a little better. She went to uh San Diego and had sex for the first time. And when she got home, she gets in the house and her mother's like, oh my God, you did it. You did it, didn't you? And everyone's like, how did she know? And I'm like, I don't think that she did know. I think you went to San Diego with your boyfriend, Kimberly. You seem like that type. You're like, oh, just going with my boyfriend to San Diego. And you came back and she just assumed you did it. And she would have said it whether you did or not. And if you hadn't done it, this wouldn't be a funny story because you would have been like, mm, no. And she would have been like, no, I feel like you didn't and she and you know what I mean? Like I think that's just a it was just Kim guessing, you know? Um What then something happened that's gonna set the stage for the rest of the motherfucking show. Josie tells Natalie that she Googled her and saw her on TMZ having a fight in the street. Now, it took me a while to realize she was saying she was on TMZ because Natalie Nunn has fought on every show she's ever been on. She, there, There's so many clips of Natalie fighting on the internet that I was like, I don't know, maybe she got a clip from Bad Girls Club or from, I don't know, what's that? There was a, there was a, a spinoff show where the Bad Girls did the challenge or something like that. Maybe she was fighting from that. I don't fucking know. She, she fights all the time. But apparently it was like a paparazzi picture, video, or somebody sent it in the TMZ. I'm not sure. What I am sure of is that Natalie does not appreciate this shit. She don't care for it. She don't want it. She, no, no, no. Um, she basically says that people, she tells Josie that she's not really a bad girl at all and that she is... You know, like uh, she, she feels like she gets a bad reputation and things like this happen and people make an assumption about her. Um, so during the session, this is happens out, they have their lunch first and then they have the sessions. The mothers had a session and then a lunch. So during the session, um, Natalie's still mad about this Googling. So she calls out Josie and she says, and Heidi helps her too, because you know, They're the twins of destruction for this whole season. And Heidi helps her and they call Josie for being like fake and she going in her room and talking shit about people and they've heard her in the room and that like instead of like, like everyone else is like has their problems right here in the open, but uh, she tries to hide hers in the room with her mom. They basically say the same thing about Kimberly as well. Kimberly ends up giving this little monologue about her mother thinks that she's the best and she just wants to live up to that and she, it actually hinders her because she doesn't want to try anything because what if she's not good at it and she says that she wants to make her mother happy and she doesn't think there's anything wrong with that. And I want to say something here. Um, one... I've decided not to look at TikTok when I get up in the morning because the other day some I saw a video that was very validating and I was crying about past mistakes I made at 7 a.m. Okay. But um as we were leaving for our vacation, um I'm watching this TikTok. I think it's Whitney Cummings, who I mean, listen, I don't see it for, her, but she was talking about codependency, and she said that she had learned that codependency is simply when you feel responsible for someone else's, uh, emotions. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Uh, that's me. (laughs) And, um, like, I've known for a long time that I care too much about what Mr. Curtis is feeling and thinking and what he's going through. Um... I I just don't want a drop of like sadness to ever touch him. I cannot bear for him to be unhappy. Uh, I can't bear for his uh, mouth to turn downwards. I just can't bear bear it. But like, you know, I wasn't calling it codependency, but recently I'd realized that Every time I walk past him in the house, I ask him if he's okay. Like the first thing I ask him, he's, he's working nights again. Some shit went down and he is, he's like the first time I see him, I'm like opening my eyes because he's already home. He got home at three o'clock in the morning and I'm still asleep and I'm waking up at five ish and I see him. He says good morning. And I ask him if he's okay. What happened? Are you all right? Everything? Okay. And I haven't always done this. I I think that what's happening is I started, it's a combination of like, some things happened that he wasn't, like he's he's not a great communicator with. And I just like had to find out on the sly. Not on the sly, excuse me. That makes it sound like he was keeping it from me. He wasn't keeping it from me. But you know, when something big pertains to our lives, I immediately call him. And I would find out like, I don't know, four hours later or something, which is too long in my book. And so there's that. And then also, like in terms of my own anxiety, um, it kind of like reached a pe- a fever pitch, maybe six or seven years ago. like really, I got really I, I've always had anxiety, but it, it just got bad. And this developed this developed. There was a while there where I wake up in the middle of the night when he was at work and I would call him to make sure he's, he was okay. And he would be like, you know, it's 1am. Why are you calling me? Uh, you sound upset. I wasn't upset. I was just waking up out of my sleep with a need to call him and make sure he was okay. Um, my anxiety was getting worse and worse. Oh, he'd also had like some, uh, issues a couple of times he'd been at work and like, you know, he put a, he put a nail through his hand one time. Um, he like, he flipped a, a, uh, a forklift inside of, um, of an 18 wheeler. Just a lot of stuff happened. And so that was part of it. I mean, the truth is like, it's not internal and it's not just like inside. I got a little crazy. It is is there were external things that happened that triggered my anxiety and my anxiety grew and grew and grew and it came out into that. And I don't do that with anything. I don't call my mom and ask her if she's okay all the time. I don't do it to the kids. I only do it to Mr. Curtis. And on like a weekend where we're just walking, I'm like, I'm doing a million things in the house and I'm walking around and he's there and here, like we walk past each other a million times. And every time I do, I ask if he's okay. And, I mean, this is obviously annoying, but he's not the type of person to say anything. I realized I was doing it before he realized I was doing it. I said it to him, and then he's like, yeah, you do that all the time. I don't know why. And I, like, together, we kind of really worked on a plan. I'm, I, I'm not going to say I stopped, (laughs) but I, I do it a lot less. And, like, even the other morning I woke up, And I really try not to, like, my husband does the morning shit with the kids. Does he do it the way I do it? No. Does sometimes people are crying for no fucking reason? Yeah. Um, but I try to ignore that and just get myself ready to leave because that's what I should be doing. And when I get involved in that, one, I take away his agency and I make it look to the kids like I'm in charge of him. And two, I make myself late. And the whole point is that he takes care of this so I can be where I need to be. Um... But so I got up and he was doing something and I was about to ask him if everything was okay, but I, I stopped myself and turned and took the dogs out to the backyard. Um, it's, it's a work in progress, but, uh, you know, hypervigilance is real. Um, I already have that. And then I just kind of developed this like thing with him after a while there. And you know, it's two things. It's one, I can't spend my entire life being like, "Is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay?" And two, there's no space for him to tell me if something isn't okay because I'm constantly on the edge, of like, "Oh my god, is something not right?" Like, I, I getting being medicated really helped. <laughs> like by the way, being medicated helped, and recognize, I don't, I don't think I would recognize I had been doing it if I hadn't been medicated, and then like. Just, a muscling through it. Uh, But yeah, I would say that we have a pretty codependent relationship. Sometimes codependency looks a lot like love. If you have had a fucked up life. But, um, yeah, we're working on it. I mean, he's working on shit for him too. And we're figuring it out. And, but to bring all that back, like, no, Kimberly, I know that looks like love because that's what you think of as love. I get that. I think of love as someone who would like fight a child for you, like like a, an adult who would fight a child for you. That's love to me. Um, but, you know, I got a funny definition of love. Um, you know, we, we all, those of us with codependent tendencies you know, he's not, <laughs> I can't think of another person that I, whose emotions I put myself in charge of. I can't really think of anybody. I can't think of a relationship I did that with. This is all very, I don't know. It's very strange. I mean, we've been married 15 years and I wouldn't say it's been that way the whole time. It's something I developed. Hmm. Um. And, I'm, and it's not one sided either. I remember we were in therapy and he, the, he was telling the therapist, he was like, well, um, I just, I'm going to make princess happy. And the therapist was like, well, you can't make her happy. And he's like, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. I know how I can. I'll do it. I'll just do everything right all the time. And I will just make sure she's always happy. And the therapist was like, well, if, you could make her happy. How come she isn't happy? And he was like, cause I'm not trying hard enough. (laughs) So it's not just me that's, that's, that's codependent. (laughs) If I just squeeze hard enough, she'll be happy. (laughs) Well, this is a uh, mutual thing, but, um, you know, we're working on it and, uh, it's hard. And Kimberly I would say the same thing to you. It's hard. It's hard. Especially when you're so identified with another person. When, um, I always say it's like when you look at that person and if you look at them as if they make the sun go up and down, as if they are the one that's turning the world. And for me, it's a, it's a romantic relationship. And for Kimberly, it's a maternal relationship. Um, so when they get the groups back together, they put the mothers and daughters back together. What they do is they have, you know, they got to get their use out of these fucking cards. They love to play the newlywed game on this shit, you know? And so they have the the daughters write down something that they love about their mother that they hope they inherited from her. And the mothers write down something that they don't want to pass on to their daughters. Um, and they start with Natalie and... You know, the truth is, I don't know who the fuck they started with because they chop and screw these things all the time. Um, but the first one we see is Natalie and Karen. Um, Karen says she doesn't want to pass on her rage, which Natalie definitely guessed. And Natalie says she wants to inherit Karen's kindness. She starts crying saying that Karen is the most caring person in the world. and People misunderstand Natalie's attitude and her words. She tells us that Karen has better traits than Natalie. She felt stupid standing up there with holding this sign that said kindness. And she said she, she gets up. She walks away crying. She tells everyone she's got to breathe. Just, she's so hot. She's so bothered. She can't stay there. Um. So then they speed through the rest of them. Uh. Kimberly admires caretaking, and Kim doesn't want to pass on people pleasing. Um. I I honestly don't remember the rest of them because they were they were, uh, narrating through. They were having, um, Shar and Cassie monologues or like do from the whatever they were saying in their, in their joint, um, confessional, they, they she, they were playing that over what people were doing. And then, so they just really sped through it. Um, after they're done, Dr. Deb is like, I'm going to go check on Natalie And she's still crying. She's saying that she doesn't know how she, she doesn't like how she feels and she doesn't like that she doesn't care, which I find to be strange because you're crying. And to me, that indicates that you do care. You care a lot. And Dr. Depp says the same thing. Um, they talk about how she stonewalls and hides her emotions and says she doesn't care. She says she's tired of pretending. She says she doesn't care because to keep herself from being vulnerable, which is understandable. It is hard to be vulnerable. Transparent is one thing; vulnerability is another, and it's very hard to be vulnerable um, if you're someone who is constantly worried about being hurt. I.e., me. Um, I am a person that who's. I hate saying the words love language, but this is the this is the most efficient way of telling you. I'm someone whose love language is acts of service. I, I. Feel love when people do things for me. I need to see an act. I don't want you to buy me anything. I'm actually very suspicious when you buy me things. I don't want any gifts. I don't, like, I don't believe people when they say things to me. I only believe what people do. And love is that you made me a sandwich. That's what love is to me. And so, but I'm also a person that doesn't like to ask for help. So I can't, I can't get loved in the way I most feel loved because I won't ask anybody for help. Then if you try to help me, I'll try to stop you. And then I assume everyone's gonna try to hurt me. And then when you do hurt me, I'm like, mm, you're that girl I knew you always were. You know what I mean? And then if you don't hurt me, I'm like, oh, they're playing the long game. They're just gonna try to hurt me later. Like every, there is no person in my life right now that I am not like, well, you know, given the chance, they'll probably hurt me. There's no chance, and the worst thing that can happen to me in my mind is to be hurt. And Natalie's just like that. This is why she has the walls up. It's why she doesn't care about anything. It's why she starts yelling immediately as soon as something happens. She probably has no trust in her relationships. Um, she probably has, is very limited in what she can try and what she can do because she doesn't want to be hurt. If I stub my toe going around a corner, I will never make a right turn again lefts all the way for me because that one time I took a fucking right turn and my toe hurt and I know I survived it but I won't survive it again that's that's literally some of the self-talk I tell myself not necessarily about turning corners but about other things and that's not that's not um good <laughs> it's not good now do do I often don't have to experience like bad emotions yeah but also there's no reward without risk. There's a lot of things I've missed out on because I wasn't willing to be hurt. And honestly, this was a, a tweet I saw a while back that um, trust is ju- it's more than just trusting a person to do what they say they're going to do or to not hurt you. It's also trusting yourself that you will survive if they do hurt you. And the first thing is already hard for me. The second thing is fucking impossible. I always feel like I'm just one more like rough hit and then I'll collapse I'll 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 be nothing. And so I get worried. I'm always trying to protect myself. I I've got a plan A, B, C, and D. I've got all this anxiety about this. I'm like, "Oh no, are my tires um are my tires going to explode on the highway?" I'm like it's it's constant anxiety about everything. It's constantly worrying about stuff like holding ideas in my head and like and like rubbing them over and over again like worrying them down. It's exhausting to be completely honest. Um, and it takes a lot of like self-work to even budge a little bit on that. Um, I'm like able to like verbalize how this to you and I'm able to work on it and I'm able to like, you know, I have tools in place for when I'm, when I'm like really spiraling and i have you know, I'm trying to do things. I'm always trying to get a little better. But, um, yeah, man, like it ain't easy. And uh, listening to Natalie talk about how she's like, I, I don't care. I don't want to not care. But <laughs> it looks like you really care, Natalie. It looks like you really care. And she says that the people in her life don't like, you know. I don't understand her and she's just tired of pretending. She ends up going back to the, to the, uh, to the session. I mean, I've never seen Natalie this soft and this sad and this hurt. Not really. I've seen her screaming, but like not this. And, um, she ends up crying so much she has to pull her eyelashes off. Um, after the session, Dr. Deb, like kind of meets Courtney in the in the hallway and kind of takes Courtney aside and tells them that they need to get dug into a session with Krista and Courtney. Courtney is worried. Um, earlier, they talked about um, how when they started receiving male attention, that Krista would be jealous and petty and competitive, and would hit on anyone that that liked Krista like Courtney or Courtney liked and Doug's the first person. Doug, mm, Doug's not the first person to tell them that, but it's, they don't, they can't believe their mother because they've gotten all this feedback from other people about this. And it'd be one thing if, this was the first time anyone ever said this about Krista, but it's not. Um, yeah, but I did fixate on that idea of like um, the first time. Ever since, they've gotten male attention, and based on like my impression of Courtney, is that nobody takes care of them, no, like, and and never has, and that. Their parents are not equipped to parent, and so when I think of Courtney, when Courtney first got male attention, I'm thinking, what was this, nine years old? Like, it just feels, they feel unprotected at all times. Um, I've actually been thinking a lot about Aaliyah, uh, because I did watch that season of Family Therapy for Liz's podcast, and how Dame Dash was in love with Aaliyah and she was like 21, 22, and he was 30. And there are some rumors about Jay-Z and Aaliyah and that's part of like the issues with, uh, with Dame. I don't know if that's true. This is just like internet shit I was looking up. Then we think of the R. Kelly of it all and I just was like, oh, like it's so obvious nobody protected Aaliyah. And this is not to say that like, oh, um, any kind of like, uh, any kind of, uh, thing that happens to you, you're, it's because somebody should have been protecting you. And that's not, this is not where I'm going at all. I'm saying that like, it's so obvious that there just weren't people around that were like, you know, pretty sure, sh- I, I don't think we should leave Aaliyah at R. Kelly's house. I just don't, I know there's a studio there, but we, but is she, you know, should she stay there all night? Like, I, maybe someone should go with her. I And I'm, I'm sure that if I knew more of the details, like the fine details of it all, that, um, that I would... That like maybe there maybe there's some there's more there's more to know you know but the more I think about the more I'm just like man baby girl just out here and and being taken advantage by man after man after man after man um, and you know Courtney Stodden I wouldn't you know I keep telling you guys Courtney reminds me a lot of Anna Nicole Smith and that stresses me out. Anyway, um, Courtney is like worried about Doug coming because they've been getting along with their mother and they even try to say that to Dr. Deb and Dr. Deb interrupts and goes, that's not real. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, Dr. Deb, damn. Um, we watch Courtney call Doug and invite him to therapy. And they try to make it a thing with like a cliffhanger. Like they go to commercial and there's music. But of course Doug's coming, guys. Oh, where else is Doug got to be? Nowhere. We also see Josie is still upset um, about Harper's Bazaar. She's talking about how they will not move the date for her. They just won't. I'm like, they, I, I understand these dates are set in stone. But like, babe, if they want to do a 12-page spread with you, they... They're just like, but only if you're available in the nineteenth? If you're not available on the nineteenth, fuck you. What? I don't know. It sounds to me like somebody fell out and they're like, Josie, are you available? That's what it sounds like. Not not to take any of Josie's flowers away or anything like that. Just that's what it sounds like to me. Um So things start to get a little funky in here. <laughs> Because it's the end of the evening, Natalie's still upset about Josie Googling her. Now, can I just insert here that I have a friend, a good friend, who sees me a lot, who I found out Googles me like every other week just to see what I'm up to. And it's like, you don't find that to be weird? And she was like, I'm your biggest fan. I'm like, that is absolutely something somebody says in a movie before they stab you and try to wear your skin. That is, that's, mm, mm, no, don't say that anymore. And she's just like, well, I don't want to bother you. So I just Google you and see what you've been doing, what you've been saying. Like this makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Um, harvesting information about me. That's weird. But, uh, I do, I understand where Natalie's coming from. Like, to be Googled and have, and I guess she feels like people have been talking shit about her behind closed doors. Like, they've been spreading it around. I don't know if that's true. I think the only thing that anybody's admitted to is that Josie Googled her. I don't know why Josie told her that. She's not the type of person that, like, takes news of anything well. <laughs> so, this is how we know Josie's a little dumb-dumb. Don't, 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 don't fucking tell her, Josie. Don't tell her. So, Natalie's on one. Natalie's feeling it. It's after dinner. She's probably been drinking. She's continuing to drink. She's on one, okay? Um, she is going room, from room room to room in the house, demanding that people keep their doors open. Unless they're already asleep, keep their doors open because... No one's gonna be talking shit behind closed doors anymore. And she says that if they won't keep their doors open, she's gonna like, kick them in. Like <laughs> I it's not funny, it's ridiculous, and that's what's happening. I'm I'm laughing at how ridiculous this is. Um Josie and Jessica can hear her like yelling out there, and Jessica's like, What do you want me to do? She says it a lot. Like something, Jessica. We want you to do something. And Josie ends up going out there. Josie is dressed like she's about to go. I was gonna say the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but that's not true. She doesn't look like that. Uh like she's going there. She looks like um What? She looks like bad Sandy at the Grease. what <laughs> she looks like. She's like all in black. I mean, and she's got bright red lipstick. And I'm like, isn't it like ten o'clock or something? Where are you going, Josie? Like what's going on? But that's what she's dressed like. She comes out, and you know Natalie's been like going off and off and off and off. Um, And Shar has been listening and laughing, which is which is I think it's gonna be important later later. And she just happens to be like, what's going on? I mean, obviously she knows what's going on. There, Natalie's screaming, and Shar was like, oh, bad timing, because she is talking about Josie, although she's not saying Josie's name. That's the thing. She's not saying. Josie's name so you know Natalie just repeats herself and says no more closed doors bitch (laughs) you're not allowed to close a door in here (laughs) it's just like stupid so we see Courtney and Krista in their room and Krista's like do not go out there and Courtney's like I am not they go to bed, which seems like the best course of action. This is this is one of those things, like, I would have a hard time with because I would definitely want to know the drama. I want to hear it. And if anybody got in a fight, I want to, like, you know, be able to see it. But it's also a time where, um, like, I don't need all this shit all the time. I really don't. And it just feels like this is going to, if I feel like I'm going to have to, like, If I feel like I'm not going to have to like fight somebody, I absolutely like, no, thank you. But so they, and I just feel like Courtney and Krista definitely should have went to bed and they did. They hadn't told anybody Doug is coming. I actually, Courtney says they haven't told anyone Doug is coming. Um, I actually don't know if Krista knows yet. So Karen is also in the room high and, in her room, hiding out. Uh, Darling's in there with her, and and Karen's like, should I go out there? Cause she can hear Natalie screaming, and Darling's like, no, no, cause it's not gonna do anything, and all it's gonna do in the end is gonna flip it over to be like, oh well, this is somehow your fault. And I agree with that too. Like Natalie's the type of person. <sighs> I was about to name somebody, but I don't want to talk about them at all. There's a the type of person that's a very much a look at me type of person. And as long as she's got an audience for that shit, she's gonna be doing that shit. But if there's nobody like that she can like posture in front of or fight, then eventually shit fizzles out. And I they they needed to let it fizzle out. I agree, Karen stay in there. I mean she doesn't, but Karen stay in there. Actually, all of y'all should go to y'all rooms. Um so Kim comes out and tries to talk about it. Well, Kimberly and Cassie are out there. I guess they're getting snacks before they go to bed. And, you know, Natalie's like, well, didn't somebody Google me at the daughter's lunch today? Didn't somebody, didn't somebody? And they're all like, yeah, well, I I remember us talking about that, but I don't remember who. And that really sets Natalie off. She's like, oh, you don't remember. Oh, you don't remember. And I'm like, do you remember? Because you keep saying somebody. But eventually she goes, Josie. Josie did it. I'm like, why were we playing that guess who game a minute ago? Why would you just do that? Um, They're, they're really stressed out. Like Kimberly and Cassie are not, <laughs> they're not bad girls. Okay. And they're both like, what, what is going on? Um, They, they honestly don't know what Natalie wants. Natalie wants them to say Josie's name. That's what Natalie wants. So, you know, Cassie gets her snacks and starts to go back to bed. And so does Kimberly and, and they start to walk off and Natalie goes, you're not excused. Oh no, you're not excused. I'm not done. I was like, oh, that's very aggressive to me. And I don't know. And I believe that I, like this would have set me off. Don't talk to me like that. Um, She starts following them and yelling and this is when Kim gets comes out of the room and gets involved and she's standing between Natalie and the girls like Cassie and Kimberly are way down the hallway and Kim and Kim's like in in Natalie's face Natalie's in her face too I mean Natalie this is uh, far be it for me to defend a white woman but I'm about to because Kim I don't Kim is not the catalyst for this Natalie was on one tripping and all that um So, there's yelling. Eventually, Kim gets up in Natalie's face and goes, Girl, watch your fucking voice. In this deep ass voice. It was... (laughs) The whole time we've been watching this, Kim's been like, Hey guys, I'm Kim Richards. But she gets into this fight with Natalie. Natalie's taller than her. Kim is, is very petite. Kim is on her tippy toes going, girl, watch your fucking voice. (laughs) I really thought they dubbed that in, but uh, no, no, that's not what happened. Um, She's also saying, be nice, be nice. I'm like, wow. I'm imagining Kathy and Kim and Kyle fighting all over, screaming be nice to each other in the middle of their fight. (laughs) <laughs> I would love to be, I don't know, excuse me, let me take that back. I wouldn't love to be at a Thanksgiving where, um, uh, everybody's drunk and the, the, the Richard sisters start fighting. Um, I would like to have footage of it. I wouldn't want to be there. I'd probably stress out if I wouldn't, if I wasn't there, I was actually there. So eventually, you know, Kim walks off and Natalie's yelling, okay, okay. I'll keep your fucking door open nobody's allowed to go to sleep till i say so and you know that definitely gave me <laughs> tanisha <laughs> is it season two i think it's, it might it might be season three i think season two was like i ain't got no <laughs> what did she say i didn't get no sleep because of y'all y'all ain't getting no sleep because of me And she's banging pots and walking <laughs> it's so fucking petty um Yeah, it's petty, but, but basically not only, I mean, and, and the people that like Heidi's still listening to her, um, at this point, at some point, Karen comes out of the room and so she's still got her audience and she's just yelling how no one's going to talk shit about her. Nobody's going to Google her. No one's going to close the door. She'll bust these motherfucking doors down and they better keep their doors open because she's going to be checking. Um, when Karen comes out, room, she makes the wrong move, in my opinion. She should have gone to sleep, Karen, and called it a night. But Kim says something to Karen, like, you need to get control of your daughter. And Karen's like, I can't believe she's blaming us all on that. Natalie's not the only one. Why does Natalie have to be the bad guy? This isn't fair. She's, the, she's not the only one with issues here. Okay, Karen. But she's the one screaming. It's the middle of the night. She's the one threatening to beat down everybody's doors because they're not allowed to close them because they might say something about Natalie behind her back. Natalie, baby girl, you are a reality TV star, a villain at that. People are going to be talking about you. Everyone talks about you. Don't search your name on Twitter. Don't do that. Stay away from shit like that. People talk shit about you. You cannot control whether people are going to talk shit about you. It doesn't feel great, but you have to learn right away that you that what other people think about you is none of your fucking business. We don't take, and like, people can critique you, but we only take a critique from people that we respect. Strangers and randos on the internet are not that. And so let them have their feelings about you. You, d- I was going to say she needs to develop, like, um, some tough skin, but I, Natalie does have tough skin, which is part of her problem is that she, like, kind of turtles into that tough skin to to avoid being hurt but you know i don't think you can be a reality tv villain and not and not have people talk shit about you i don't think it's possible um sorry baby girl um but like karen (laughs) don't do this karen do not do this karen and it's so funny, Karen can go from zero to 60 with with Natalie, defending Natalie, then mad at Natalie, then embarrassed by Natalie, then back to defending Natalie, then angry at Natalie, then wanting to fight Natalie, then back to defending Natalie. It's, it's obviously a very deeply ingrained um, family dynamic, but it's weird to watch. Because Karen, I also know that you want her to shut the fuck up. So why can't you say that? Or at least show that with your actions. So Cassie's not dealing well with the yelling. Um, and one half of me is like, oh, poor baby. And the other half of me is like, all right, calm down. And it's because, <laughs> the thing is, I don't like to be around all that fucking yell. Like, I think Cassie doesn't like to be around that yelling because she just, that's not what she's from. People aren't screaming at each other. Like, it's it's probably very stressful. But I don't like to be around all that yelling because, like, Shit like this is, 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 is absolutely normal. You know what? Let me tell you a motherfucking story. All right. So my mother wants to buy one of my nieces an iPad for Christmas. Not just my mom, but my mom and my dad are going to split some of the cost. Then her mom and her dad, my niece is seven. And she's lovely. She's a little old lady. Love her to pieces but they want to buy her an iPad and they were going to get her iPad mini, but an iPad mini costs more than a regular iPad for reasons. So it's about $330 and they're going to go on sale at the exchange. So they're probably going to get a deal, but with, well, there's no taxes at the exchange. It's a Navy exchange. But, um, with the idea of, is that probably my brother will pay like about a hundred dollars Uh, his ex-wife will pay about a hundred dollars and my parents will pay about a hundred dollars. Okay. So my mom tells me that and I say to her, I'm like, okay, but listen, if you're going to, if that's what, I'm not saying you can't do that. Right. But if you're going to do that, understand that your Christmas budget changes. And she's like, why? And I was like, because you can't spend a hundred dollars on one of your grandchildren and the other 10 grandchildren don't get a similar amount. Now I'm not saying everything has to be perfectly equal, but things have to make sense. And so you can't spend $100 on that kid and spend 25 on one of my kids. And the truth is, you don't need to buy my kids anything. You really don't, I they, they get too much as it is. I don't need anyone to, if, if a relative buys my kids presents for holidays and birthdays, I'm grateful, but it's not required. So it's not that, it's not like I'm like, oh my mom owes me. But you cannot conduct yourself this way. And if you were gonna do that, you should have never fucking told me because I'm the queen of it's fair. And I told my mom, I was like, listen. And she's like, well, it's not fair. Your kids already have iPads. I was like, yeah, I bought them. You didn't. And she's like, okay, but it's not fair because that particular niece is much younger. So my brother has two daughters. One's 21 and one's seven. The same mother and everything, but she, she's essentially being raised like an only child. And my mom's like, well, she's all by herself. And I'm like, this is not, we're not, we're not buying gifts per family. We're buying gifts for a child. And she's like, well, I just don't think, I was like, listen, I don't think it's a good idea either. I think, let's say if you're gonna spend $100 per grandchild, you got 11 grandchildren. Your budget for grandchildren Christmas presents is $1,100. Maybe it is. I'm, I'm not trying to get in your pocket. But uh, let me tell you what. <laughs> I'm not going to let this go down. My mom was like, listen, you need to calm down. Because here's what happened. Not this year, last year. My oldest niece is 21. Um, Her birthday is at the end of June. It's June 30th. My birthday is July 28th. So about a month before my birthday, me and my mom were talking like we do every motherfucking day. And my mom goes, I'm going to buy you, my niece, I'm going to buy her, I'm going to give her a hundred dollars for her birthday. I don't, I'm not sure what to buy her. And I said, well, you just made a mistake. And she's like, what? And I said, so now you have to give me $101 for my birthday. And she goes, no, I don't. I was like, yes, you do. Because she's your granddaughter and I'm your actual daughter. I slid right out of your cocoa melon, baby. Yeah, that was me. I'm your daughter, okay? Half of this fucking DNA running through my veins is from you. And let me tell you what, you're petty. You pass that petty shit down to me. If I don't get $101 for my birthday, well, I just don't know how you ever gonna sleep again because I'm not gonna let you. And she, she was like, your, she's like my niece she's like she's a child i was like she's 21 she ain't no fucking child and two <laughs> i'm your child though she's a child and i'm your child and guess what um my niece she knows nana she knows grown-up nana she knows she knows this nana that's floating around all this stuff i know mama okay okay <laughs> I was with poor mama. I was with mama who wasn't sober. I was with mama who used to go to the bar and not come home to the next morning. And I used to think that uh, that uh, happy hours lasted all night long. That was me. So I've been putting in my motherfucking time. So I better get $101. And I'm sorry you made the mistake of telling me that. But now that you've made that mistake, here we are. And I did get my hundred and one dollars. And again, I don't give a fuck if she she didn't have to give me shit. She really fucking didn't. And I'm not a person that's like, oh, why didn't you give me a for my birthday? But you, what you cannot do is buy, mm, is give her that, and then an actual blood related. I slid right out your kibbles and bits. And you kept me, you helped me up and was like, this is my daughter. And I have been attached to you at the fucking hip ever since. Even when I didn't want to be, even when you didn't want to be, we, we've been through this. We, we've been through this. You're my mom. Okay. So you out here giving gifts, <clears throat> don't forget. You've only got one daughter. So, you know, I prevailed. My father uh cashed out me $101 on my birthday. And he definitely looked at my mom and said, why am I sending her $101 for her birthday? <laughs> my mom was like, don't ask. Just do it. Just, just make sure you get at that one. see, so you got to do it. You got to do it. And... I, you know, I don't usually talk. I don't fuck with my phone on my birthday. I turn it off and everything. I did make an exception that year because my mom's like takes that shit real personal. She thinks my birthday is a, is a, is a holiday that she and I celebrate. I'm like, no, it's my birthday. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, but you wouldn't have a birthday if it wasn't for me. And so many people on my birthday, you can't even talk to me. But my mom like definitely. So that morning, I did call. I was like, "Listen, I'm about to turn my phone off, but I just wanted to let you know I did receive the gift. And I don't want to say thank you because it was in the appropriate amount. So we have a history of this. But the th- and last year, last Christmas, she did the same shit with my nephew that's in Korea. With my brother that lives there. And she's like, Well, he's all alone. And I was like, and it wasn't a hundred dollars, it was like fifty. Okay. And I was like, Well, now you have to buy, you have to give everybody fifty dollars, or you have to buy she she either buys a gift or she sends that amount of money to your to the mother and then she goes and buys the gift, whatever. And my mom was like, Why? Your kids have each other, yeah, and they also gonna have fifty dollars each from you. Like, it's not their fault that there are more of them. And some of you may disagree. Some of you be like, princess, your mother's money is not yours. And I agree. If she was like, I'm not buying uh, Christmas gifts for grandchildren, I'd be like, good. Skip it. They don't fucking need it. But you're not, I'm sorry, you're not going to do this. And my mom was like, listen, um, I know you have feelings about this, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And I was like, well, guess who I learned how to be petty from. Yvonne, that's who I, Yvonne, she taught me, I've watched her, i watched her be petty all my fucking life, I watched her turn cars around, I watched one time, oh lord, one time we was all headed to the beach, you know, I don't even fucking like the beach, but it was hot as fucking Mississippi, we're headed to fucking beach, and my brother stole five dollars from my mom's dresser, and my mom left us all fucking there, and went to the beach by herself, and took pictures by herself, had those pictures developed, brought them home, put them on the refrigerator, so the whole day, like, I didn't take shit, Okay. I didn't know about the five I didn't know shit about the five dollars. I didn't I don't I wasn't involved. But I did want to leave the house. I wanted to go somewhere with my mom. And guess what? I didn't get to go. And guess what? For like a month, every time I went to go get a cup of Kool-Aid, there's a picture of my mom enjoying herself at the beach that she didn't take me. So my mother's peck tea, okay? I learned from the best. Don't test it. And so I told her, I said, you know what, this is fine. Um you just let me know what you want to do. And once you make your decision, if you choose to spend more money on that kid, that one grandkid, rather than all of them, I am going to uh, hold a press conference in my home. I'm going to go live on Instagram. I'm going to tell the children that you don't love them. I don't have a problem doing that because it's true. Um, I'll just be like, Nana doesn't love you and uh, proofs in the pudding. I'm going to go live on Instagram so that my brothers can see it and I'm going to tell them the same thing that I don't know if you know this, but mama's out here seducing and scheming and she's out here, uh, not, you know, she's city girling it up. Okay. She out here conning people and scamming people. And I don't know what she did for your kids for Christmas, but it wasn't as much as she did for this one, this one niece. And uh, I think y'all should know it and um, put your kids up to the camera, to the, to the, to the, uh, put your kids up to the phone so I can look them directly in the eye and tell them, Nana don't love you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking do it. We're at a standstill now. We'll have to see what's going on. Why am I telling this story? I don't remember. I think I had something to do with the fact that my mother is one of the pettiest people on earth and that I learned at her knee and I'll do it. You think I won't do it? I'll fucking do it. I am an emotional terrorist. And uh, I know a lot of people out there listening to this podcast (laughs) think I am very evolved. You know, I talk talk extensively about my feelings. I can name things. I'm very, I'm always searching inward. I'm always trying to do things better. I'm always trying to be like, what is my part of this situation? How did I get us here? What could I do better next time? Yeah, but I'm also an emotional terrorist. I'll blow both of us up. I don't give a fuck. I will blow this bitch up. I'll die in a fire after I blow up this bitch to make a point because you're going to be dead too. And at least my ghost will have satisfaction of knowing that even though I'm dead, you're dead too. I'll do it. Don't make me. Anyway. <laughs> I do not know why I was talking about that, but I did, um, Cassie, I guess she just, she's, you know, she's not used to all this yelling and all this confrontation and she's just not a confrontational person, which is understandable. She seems like a sweet girl, like a little muffin. She, she, and this is hard for her. And so she, um, she has a panic attack. She actually walks into Kim and Kimberly's room. Um, the door is closed. She doesn't knock on. She just busted open. I'm sure they thought it was fucking Natalie busting down doors. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they're a little surprised. They're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she's like, I'm having a panic. She's trying to explain that she's having a panic attack. She's hyperventilating. She's shaking. She's crying. Her eyes are super red. She, you can tell she's trying to steal her breathing. She can't. I thought it was interesting that she walked into Kim and Kimberly's room. Where's her mom? I think I sort of remember char going off like char is very much listen back to that codependency thing we can't control what happens to other people and we cannot be responsible for other people's emotions there we just can't like we can try but we're always gonna we're always gonna fall short it's always gonna cause conflict and it's important that we try to have like that we try to work on healthy relationships with other people. It's very important, okay? But Shar loves the way I think of like like if you're about to fight, I guess we all gotta fight. And you have to have your family's back because nobody else will. And if you guys if you guys are gonna have an argument, sure, we'll do that inside. But once we hit once we hit these fucking streets, it's you and me. And I will do anything I have to do for you. I don't care. I will do anything I have to do. And Shar has no problem fighting over Cassie. And I think I remember that. I'll have to see next week. But um, that's pretty much where we ended. Um, you know, I feel very sorry for Cassie. She seems like a sweet girl. Uh, I can sometimes be... Uh, <laughs> I can sometimes have bad reactions to very sweet people because I don't believe that there's anybody that's like all good and all happy and all I can have bad reactions to it. And that's probably like a me thing. It's probably more like, Oh, look how nice and sweet this person and soft this person is. Um, and look how not I am of that. And it's it's probably like some self-loathing that makes me like get triggered by that. But Cassie, um, I, she just seems like a sweet girl And Natalie didn't push up on her, but she was very aggressive with her. And she's like just sitting there and she's, and she's thinking, why am I here? (laughs) Probably. And she ends up having that panic attack. I feel sorry for her. So we'll see what happens next week. Um, You guys remember that you can uh, get bonus episodes for this podcast on patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. Pumpkin is spelled, it's not pumpkin. It's pumpkin. It's P U M K I N. It's only one P in pumpkin. Um, and you can find me there. I like I said, I I talked about that bling ring doc. Um, you know, I talk about all kinds of things. There's I have a lot of sponsors that episodes coming up, and I'm really excited to talk about T and Tamara and I think the little couple. Just a a lot of cool things. And so make sure you sign up. It's $5 a month for weekly bonus episodes. It's $10 a month if you want weekly bonus episodes plus the Princess Diaries, which is where I talk mostly about myself and my family. Um, That's once a month. So even if you don't want to do that, thanks, for guys, for listening. Um, Remember, every time you listen, you're supporting this podcast and you're making this easier for me to to do. If you have a moment and you haven't given me a review, please stop by Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a five-star review. Um, That is another way to help me in this podcast. Um, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for supporting me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up every Sunday.